the Lord, mightiest prophet of the Lord? Well, uh, we already saw that uh, when the Lord Jehovah, he designed on how he was going to deliver man, humanity, mankind from sin into his glorious eternal kingdom. We saw that in that blueprint, nothing was a coincidence, nothing was accidental, unplanned, they just ran into it. No. We saw that the Lord deliberately designed the origin of that salvation, how that salvation will be delivered to humanity, and how those that accept and have faith, have faith and accept the Lord Jesus as their personal Savior, be born again, how that design of the salvation, the design of the blueprint in the upper chambers of heaven would actually dictate to instruct the Christian lifestyle, how the present day believer would execute their Christian practice in the marketplace, in this system, the world where we are today that everything was set up, everything was by design, and that within that design, right from the messenger of that covenant of the grace, our Lord and precious Savior, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, right from his own lifestyle, right from his renunciation of sin, pronouncement, it was all pointing at the narrow path that he was directing the church, those who would receive him as Lord and Savior, to the narrow path that the present-day Christian believer would walk. And that raises a very serious problem right now because the issue is when one looks at the present-day church, you can see it is absolutely apparent and obvious that they are not walking the narrow way, the narrow path defined by the Christian salvation that Jesus brought to the earth, brought to humanity, brought to mankind, brought to cure the fall of Adam. That is where exactly the problem is. That the church has not understood the basics, the basic thing. Those, these are foundational teachings. These are teachings that are supposed to be the foundations of Christian salvation. That when one receives the Lord, they should be told right from the onset that the salvation of Christ that you're receiving is a salvation that would require that you live a certain pattern of life, a certain lifestyle that may not be popular with the world, but it will nourish you spiritually, it will grow you up to maturity, and you would see the eternal kingdom of God. These are things that should have been said before. And that's why this becomes a very important moment for correction in the church. Another very important thing in the prophecy that defined the coming of the Messiah in the blueprint of salvation as designed by Jehovah our Father. Another very important aspect is Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53 essentially talks about the crucifixion of the Messiah, the travail of the Messiah, what the Messiah would go through to purchase for us our deliverance, to purchase for us our salvation, to purchase for us eternity, our inheritance into the glorious, eternal, everlasting kingdom of God. Isaiah 53 is very powerful because it has so many things said. For example, Isaiah 53 verse, verse 3, it talks about, he was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one from whom people hide 
he was despised, and we held him in low esteem. The other versions say, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. And so, this travailing of the Messiah, travailing of the Christ in purchasing salvation for us, goes a long way to speak so much about the believers, the followers of the Christ. How they too, on their path, he was telling them right from here, that the world will not like you. The world will never like you. Why? Because you will not look like them. He was essentially describing here the deconstruction of the human form, of the worldly form, the earthly form, and the bearing forth, the projecting forth of the spiritual form, of the heavenly form. As high as the heaven is from the earth, so are his ways from us. And we see that he's talking about the fact that these are some of the things I'm going to bring up in our discussion on the narrow pathway, the narrow walk, the narrow road that is commanded by the Bible, by the Lord. But you can see right away he brings it to bear here. He's saying that there is a certain level of hardship and difficulty that characterizes walking in the narrow way. However, the beauty of it all is that it is not your doing. It is not your will. It is not your might that will surmount these challenges. Today, if you choose to be righteous in this world, you literally go through a torment. But we know that Lot went through a severe torment in Sodom and Gomorrah. His righteous soul was tormented by the pervert behavior, the perversion, the immorality, the origins that he saw on a daily basis. He witnessed. We know that Noah was tormented in his soul when he chose the way of the Lord, this narrow path, this narrow path here, the same narrow way that Lord chose. And we know in the process, Noah too followed the narrow path and was tormented to his soul unbelievably horrendously by the perversion and the wickedness and the orgies and the immoralities and the homosexualities of the day, of the moment. Abraham, all these things, we, we, we know it too well that the Lord Jesus was essentially in verse 3 of Isaiah 53, the prophecy that spoke about is coming and how he would deliver the salvation designed by our God in heaven unto humanity. But in verse 3 you see right away that it would involve some travail. It would involve some sacrificing of a few things here and there. You'd sacrifice certain friends, sacrifice drinking alcohol, whatever it is. Because it's a narrow way. It's constrained. It is constricted. It is not popular. So this is absolutely stunning to me that the church forgot about all this, overlooked all this. She claims to be short-sighted, not to have seen this, and went ahead to leave the broad way, the large way, the world. Now the world is inside the church, and the church is inside the world also. So they are mixed up. But you could see that Isaiah 53 is, is pointing at the travails, the challenges the difficulties, the hardship that one will encounter in the narrow way. In any case, there are fewer people there. It is not popular. You will not look like everyone else. Maybe they go out, and, and you see, all these pleasures that the church has taken unto herself and incorporated into her worship experience, all these pleasures, you see, these are temporary pleasures. They are very temporary. In the long run, she suffers a fatal consequence of those pleasures, temporary pleasures, and comfort, temporary comfort. But the horrendous suffering in hell is unbelievable. You couldn't trade off the wonderful exit 
the gateway, the salvation we are given here for some temporary pleasures and comforts of the world. For example, Isaiah 53, verse 4 says, Surely he took up our pain. You see that? Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him. All that pointed towards the suffering of the Messiah, the travailing of the Messiah. The world would not like the Messiah. Why? Because he would testify against the evil they are being, the wickedness they live, they practice. How then can the world love the church that has received Christ Jesus and is pursuing this same path, the footsteps, the footprints of Jesus? Like father, like daughter, like father, like son. We are all, he is our everlasting father. And to follow him would mean we bear some of his stripes. If one of his stripes is to reject evil and rebuke sin, then any lifestyle we pursue, whether we don't preach it but we just walk it, right away offends the wicked world. They feel offended by seeing you executing and practicing a holy Christian life. Why? Because you testify against their sin. And so some of the, for example, the, the prophecy, we see the fulfillment of Isaiah 53, all of it fulfilled when the Messiah comes into sin. How about Psalm, Psalm 78? Psalm 78, beloved people. Psalm 78. Psalm 78, verses 1 to 2. And then we'll crown it from there on uh, the blueprint. On the blueprint, we'll finish with that. Maybe one other and so forth. But we'll finish with that. Next time we can talk about the blueprint of the salvation that our Lord released unto humanity. We can have a whole teaching on that. But Psalm 78, verses 1-2, it says, My people hear my teachings. Again, my people hear my teachings. Listen to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth with a parable. I will utter hidden things, things from the old, things from old. Again, my people hear my teaching. They listen to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth with a parable. I will utter hidden things, things from old. He says he will utter things from old, hidden things. How about Matthew 13, verse 34? Let's see that then. Matthew 13, 34, beloved people. Matthew 13, 34. And this is what he says. And all these things are in your Bible. You could literally, they read the same Bible. So there's no excuse for the current state of the church, which has humiliated Jesus according to Hebrews chapter 6, 46. But Matthew 13, verses 34 to 35, he says, Jesus spoke, spoke all these things to the crowd in parables, he did not say anything to them without using a parable. So was it fulfilled what was spoken through the prophet? I will open my mouth in parables, I will utter things hidden, since things hidden since the creation of the world. So meaning the prophecy said that the things about the Messiah would be hidden. The salvation the Messiah brings would be hidden from this world. It would not be obvious to them. And this is what points us, points us to the narrow path, which he said would be hidden, and the Christians would have to look for it and then find it. 
Only today that seek shall it be revealed. But all this is here, beloved people. You see the prophecy that pointed the church, pointed the church to the narrow way, the blueprint of Christian salvation as laid down by Jehovah our God right from the onset already pointed the church. It pointed the believer, whosoever believes in him and receives him in his heart, repent of their sins, confesses their tongue, and receive him and become new creation in him. It would be required of them to walk the narrow path. This is the blueprint that was designing the new creation that the church would be separate from the old creation where Adam fell into sin and brought death. This is the design. This was the pathway, the cascade of the pathway that the Lord set up that would deliver sinful men into eternity with God in heaven, beloved people. How? How can the church fail to see this? That the, the scripture says, in Psalm 78, I'm going to read it again. Psalm 78, beloved people. In the book of Psalm 78, one more time I read it. Very clearly it says, he would speak in parables. It would be hidden, beloved people. I don't have to read it. It would be hidden. It would be concealed. It would not be obvious to the world. But the wide, the broad way is obvious. And many people see it from afar, and they go to it. Why? Because it has its own ensnares and entrapments. It traps people. There is a whole delusion. It, it is well placed. It is well covered and designed and glamorized. Splendorized. That when you see it from afar, the lasting of the eyes, the eyes that made Eve look at the fruit and saw that it was good for eating. Those eyes, you still behold. The church still has those eyes. So when they would see that glamorous road, the white road from afar, oh, no mistake about it, they would be drawn to it. Oh, how the flesh would, uh, would throb, would be agile, would respond, would towards it, would be stimulated to go to that highway for the temporary pleasures and comforts of this earth. But he says that the highway of the Lord is hidden. He says the narrow path that you see in Isaiah 35, verses 8 and 9, which I'll read in a short while after we get out of this, out of the blueprint, that, that this narrow path, the, 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 the thesis that the Lord submitted on the doctrine of the narrow road, he said this thesis had it's a far-fetched origin. Its origin came from the blueprint of Christian salvation, of the deliverance of man, as was laid out in the upper chambers of God Almighty Himself in heaven. And it was deliberate. There is no mistake. I don't know why the Christians today are living by chance as if Christian salvation is anything. Find this way, lose this way, gain this side, try this other side, this not working, go this way. No! It is very specific, very definite, very deliberate. Today's Christian salvation is deliberate. It is by design, designed to go in a particular way. There is no other way. There is only one way to eat. No wonder he even says, only Christ Jesus, the Lord, is the way, the truth, and the life. No, meaning no other way. And he says here clearly, that the Messiah's salvation would be hidden. I remember too well, I don't have time to read it now. At one point, the disciples wanted to throw in the towel. They were saying, this is a hard gospel. This is a difficult gospel. I cannot manage this. They wanted to throw in the towel and leave. They were saying, no, you can't sell this to these people. They won't buy this. And when they asked him, why do you talk to us so plainly? And yet to the people out there, you speak by parables. And then the answer was worse. It made their situation worse. 
because he said it is meant to be hidden. And only today that seek, only today that search, only today that look for it shall it be revealed. Meaning it was meant to be concealed. And then you are totally defeated. You surrender into a situation where you say, let God be God and man be man. So you see in Psalm 78, the prophecy by design, the prophecy that brought the deliverer, the Messiah, said he would speak in hidden form, in a concealed form, that they may have ears and not hear, eyes and not see. And then Matthew 13, 34 to 35, yes, it is true, he comes and speaks in parable, and he says, there's nothing he spoke to them except through parable that he may fulfill prophecy. The prophecy, you know, the Lord God Almighty, when he designed the, the program, when he designed uh, the, the program for eternity, he had to reveal to his prophet on the earth so that the prophet may be able to pronounce it into being. That is how God works. So he had to follow the pronouncements of the prophet on the earth so that his ministry pursues the design of God. God the Father. And that design required that he speak in parable. And when he spoke this in parable, and then he said that he may fulfill the prophecy that was pronounced and decreed, instructed, that his ministry may be instructed by the prophet as God instructed it in heaven, that he speaks in parable. And then now you hear that the narrow path is concealed concealed to the extent that today that seek, only today shall it be revealed. This is amazing, beloved people. And there are so many uh, parts of the prophecy that point at the same. The Messiah would suffer, the Messiah would travail, many things that point at the path, the narrow path. At one point, in the same way, in the same breath, when he said it was meant to be concealed, if you read Isaiah chapter 6 verse 9, you are defeated. Isaiah chapter 6 verse 9 comes out very powerfully to explain that only today, only today that sick shall it be revealed. Isaiah 6 verse 9, if I'm reading here, he says the following. He said, he said, go and tell these people, be ever hearing, but never understanding. Be ever seeing, but never perceiving. Same. So, beloved people, and then you see, when he comes to the temple, when he comes to the temple of the Lord, you see him clean up the temple because he finds money vendors there. Money vendors, money changers there. People changing money, currency people. Changing coins and money and everything. And then it comes up against them. But that is what you see today. If you really follow the salvation of the narrow path, the salvation that was decreed and instructed by our Lord Jesus in Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 to 14, there is no way the current status quo in the church can love you. There is no way the custodians of the current posters in the church can even have an alliance with you. Never. Never ever. They would blackmail you. They would refuse to unite with you. They would not accept your doctrine. But that was already instructed all the way when he said the zeal for house shall consume it. The zeal for his father's house would consume it. And then he would clean up the money changers from the house with a vivid anger. So, beloved people, we have now seen that the salvation we behold today by design was essentially meant to point us, to show us to one and only thing, walking the narrow way. And he says the power to evangelism is walking the separated Christian lifestyle. That is the only way you can emit the light of Christ. 
That is the only way the world can see you and say, look, the church of Christ. Look, the bride of Christ. From the glorious garment you meet. The one you see in Revelation chapter 19, verse 6 all the way to verse 9. The fine linen, bright and clean. Lino fino, resplandeciente y limpio. That the, the garment, the garment that is the light of Christ, emitting light to the dark world, the garment that separates out the church, distinguishes the church. So I am talking about the gospel of distinguishing, a distinguishing grace, a grace that distinguishes the current church, the, 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 the church that follows the Messiah, follows Jesus from the world and the worldly church. So, beloved people, as we started on, I can now get my path back to walking the narrow way. What was the instruction then when he said we have to walk the narrow way? Like I said before, it would be proper Christian conduct, behaving in a manner that if, you, if anybody sees you, when you are alone, what matters is what you do when you are alone. Behaving, the proper Christian conduct, a moral Christian behavior. That's what he brought to four when he mentioned walking the narrow path to lead the, the, the path that leads you to a persistent, consistent, and constant pursuit of God. What did he mean when he talked about the narrow path? He essentially meant Isaiah 35, verses 8 to 9. Isaiah 35, 8 and 9 when he instructed the church to walk the narrow way. Isaiah 35, beloved people, verses 8 and 9, he says, And the highway shall be there. I can start from verse 5. You can start from verse 3. I know today we have a latitude to read as we would want. Verse 3, for example, that will give you two issues to handle there. Strengthen the feeble hands. Steady the knees that give way. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong, do not fear. Your God will come. He will come with a vengeance, with divine retribution. He will come to save you. Then will the eyes of the blind open and the ears of the deaf unstopped then will be the, then will the lame leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert and he goes on and on beloved people but he talks about several things here the water that gushing out the latter outpour the latter revival would show up the coming of the Messiah, and then the, the ministry of the Messiah. But all this is very powerful because this was foretold and it came to pass. People that cannot hear could be able to hear, including those in darkness, to hear the gospel. And it goes on and on, but verse 8 is very powerful, beloved people, because it says, a highway will be there. It will be called the way of holiness. Now, here is pronouncing from verse 3 on, even earlier, the coming of the Messiah. And he's saying, owing to that, owing to that now, he says, a highway will be there. It will be called the way of holiness, verse 8. It will be for those who walk on that way, in that way, meaning that lifestyle. The unclean will not journey on it. Wicked fools will not go about on it. No lion will be there, nor any ferocious beast. And he says, further on there, again, nor any ravenous beast, they will not be found there, but only the redeemed of the Lord will walk there. So that is what the Lord meant when he said that the salvation he brought from the Calvary cross, he delivered unto the church. And then he said that for those that will then submit, have faith, believe, and receive him, and be born again, and call Christian, 
Christ followers, followers of the Lord Jesus. It would be required of them to walk this highway. And then he mentions all the beauty around this highway. No ravinous beasts will be there. And, and that's very powerful because he then says that that highway has this steel wall, another steel wall on this side for those who are obedient. And for those who are disobedient, they can really jump out. It is that much porous for those who are disobedient. But for those that obey, he says, they are all confined and constrained and restricted unto the authority of the Lord. And therein is the protection of the Lord. And the provision, I say. He said that walking the narrow pathway essentially instructed the church to live an upright life life free from the perversion of this life, of this world. Living a righteous life, he meant, that the church would have to be righteous and holy to sustain her salvation and her inheritance. Why? Because our God says, be holy for I am holy. So she would have to be holy. She would have to be righteous. Walking the narrow road as instructed by the doctrine and the thesis the Lord submitted on that doctrine means the following. Again, like I said, a separated life. And in that separation, there is Leviticus, for those of you who want to read later on, Leviticus chapter 15, verse 13. The book of Numbers chapter 16, verse 21. Ezra chapter 6, verse 21. Leviticus chapter 20, 20, verses 23 to 26. Isaiah 59, verse 2. I can read that one for now. Because we are finishing. I'm just browsing through what we've done so I can begin a new area now. I've just come from the blueprint. That's why I'm recapping for you what we saw. Now we understand why he confines us unto this way. Because it was instructed by the blueprint by the designer, by the creator. Isaiah 59, beloved people, verse 2. Isaiah 59, verse 2, he says, But your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he will not hear. So by confining the church onto this highway, this narrow path, the narrow street, the narrow way, the Lord did a great favor to the church. He said, in that way, you may have fellowship with the Lord. In that way, your iniquity may not separate you from God because you will then live a righteous life. In that way, he may never hide his face from you. And those of you in Kenya, you know this, I think now globally. You know what's going on in this land. And of course, other nations are picking up the same revival right now. And it goes on and on, beloved people. So, essentially, a life that is faithful to the Lord, that is what he meant. Obedience to the Lord, total, complete, absolute obedience unto the Lord. And the other thing he meant is that salvation is strictly given to mankind and found only in the person of the Christ. John chapter 14, verse 6. John chapter 14, verse 6, beloved people. John 14, verse 6. Let us see what he says. He says, Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth. Again, I am the way and the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. When he said <laughs> that the church would have to walk the narrow road alone, cannot mix two roads, the narrow road alone, he essentially meant that the salvation that our God in heaven delivered to mankind is only found in the person of Christ Jesus, the Messiah, beloved people. And John chapter 10, verse 10 says, again, John 10, 10, he says the following, The thief comes only to steal and 
kill and destroy. Like now, the way he has stolen their salvation, the churches that are worldly, the churches that are doing apostasy, the churches of prosperity you see all over the world where holiness is not centered, is not centered in the Christian worship experience. Those churches, the thief comes only to steal. You see the way he came and stole their salvation. How did he steal it? By stealing their holiness, he essentially stole their eternity. The thief comes only to steal and kill. Look at how he has killed the church and destroyed. Look at how he has destroyed the church. Sexual sin scandal. Who put which woman in his private plane? Who went with which woman in which conference? Who did what with which man where? Who did what with con who? Lied to who about which prophecy got money from them? Look at how he has destroyed the church in the face of the earth. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Walking on the wide way exposes you, makes you vulnerable to the thief, to the enemy, to come and steal from you and kill you and destroy your vision, the vision the Lord put in you, the vision of his life. I have come that they may have life and have it to its fullest. How powerful, beloved people. Only in the person of the Christ. That is the meaning of the decree. When he laid forth the doctrine of Christian salvation. And he said, the Christian salvation he brings us is strictly and only confined to the walking on the narrow path. It is called the salvation of the narrow road that removes us from the excesses of this world, the moral decay of this world, and all of it is immorality. In other words, like you have seen, Jesus is the only way, that's what he meant, to the Father, to heaven, to eternity with God Almighty. The Lord was telling us by talking about the narrow way within which we should confine the Christian salvation we receive from him. He was essentially telling us that that walk, the Christian salvation he brings, would lead us to some restricted ways of life that would challenge us, would give us some hardships and difficulties to handle. And he can never give us what we cannot surmount what we cannot manage. Some hardships and difficulties would appear on that journey, but they are put there. They are placed there by God the Father, by design, to mold us, to purify us, and sharpen us, and polish us, and prepare us for this long-term life of dependence on God in heaven. Reliance on God. They were meant to exude forth the trustworthiness of our God that we may have a relationship with Him. If we don't depend on Him, the human nature, the way it is, they normally branch off and they become malignant. They branch off from central control and do their own thing and go grow as gangrene or as cancer, malignancy. He that created humanity, who knows their nature and their pitfalls, he already knew their weaknesses. And that's why he designed this path, that those that may follow, will follow, will see eternity. Again, when he said that the command he lays forth before the church is enter through the narrow gate, and small is the gate, and narrow is the road that leads to eternity. Follow it. This is the way. Follow it. That is essentially what the Lord said. He said, if you follow another way, that is not with me. That is not the religion of the cross I brought. That is not the salvation I brought you. That is not the way to the heaven I come to take you to. The inheritance into heaven that I bridge. That I build a bridge for you to cross over regardless of the sin Adam committed. That is another religion 
another faith, another God, another worship, another destiny, destination. But he meant that by walking the narrow way, we would encounter certain challenges that would add value to the Christian walk. Look at when the Messiah went in the Judean desert to fast. When he just began his ministry, he went there to fast and be tempted. That was meant to teach us a lesson, the molding of the Messiah. And when he broke the back, the spine of the devil there, then he came and now he sailed through with his ministry all the way to the end. He finished the enemy once for all. John chapter 6, verse 60, beloved people. John chapter 6, verse 60. The challenges, the restrictions, the difficulties, and the hardships that he promised on that highway. He says, on hearing it, many of the disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? <laughs> when the Lord brought us the gospel, the salvation of the narrow way, and then he's in his position, when he made an application before them, he deposited forth a thesis on that narrow way. One of the main things that is very conspicuous, that's conspicuous and stands out, towers high on that narrow way, is that there are challenges there. There are constraints. There are limitations there. It is constricted. It does not give you the liberty. You don't live ad libitum, so to say. Liberty to do what you want. Others can do, but you cannot. Why? Because it was meant to bring forth these little hardships and difficulties your way that you may now learn to depend on the Lord. To have some Egyptian army pursue you and God move the cloud to the back of the camp to create a darkness between you and them, that he may slay the enemies of God, that you may see his power, that you may be mesmerized, amazed, awed at his awesomeness, at his greatness, to reveal certain aspects of God, certain things of God to you. And he's saying here that even the teachings he gave, they bespoke the narrow way. Because he's saying that on hearing it, many of the disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? And if you read further on, aware of his disciples, that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, does this offend you? Then what if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? He was telling them, that you people, this is the way. Follow it. This way that he is doing and teaching here is what leads to eternity. But right from the beginning of the teachings, you can see he was directing the church to the non-acceptable gospel, the gospel that is not acceptable to the world. But you see today the way they have caramelized they have taken sweet caramel and painted the gospel with it. So they are preaching the golden cups. They are preaching prosperity. They are preaching sweet things to the church. And people are always chewing candies, taking sweet candies on that gospel, and they are following the sweetness of the world. And yet, when the Messiah began teaching, on hearing it, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? We are talking about the narrow road gospel, the gospel of the narrow path, the narrow street gospel. Who can accept it? Except that they be seekers of God, seekers of truth, as we are going to see shortly. Hey. And it's amazing they were throwing in the towel, which is exactly what the Messiah was using to point us, to point the church to the fact that I am giving you a bitter gospel, Evangelio Amarga in Spanish, a bitter gospel, a gospel that is not sweet to the senses, 
the sensual, the senses of this world. A gospel that is not pleasing to the eye, not pleasing to the senses of this world. A gospel that would demand total obedience and walking in absolute faith, believing God just for who he is. When God says, follow this way, you just follow because the sovereign God has said, I follow this way. Total obedience, beloved people. John chapter 6, verse 66, same, same. And he says down there, beloved people, from that time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. Hey. Right from the word go, the Messiah, the prophecy that brought the Messiah into the scene, the design of the blueprint of the deliverance of man, of humanity, and until the Messiah, the, re the materialization, the realization of the Messiah incarnate, walking the earth, and the way he began to execute his public ministry, everything by design was meant to point the Christian believer, the born-again Christian, the present-day Christian believer, to the narrow path, to the salvation of the narrow road, because only that leads to eternal life. Follow it. This is the way. Follow it. Why are they walking the wide road? What is the problem? The moral decay. The apostasy of this world. The nudity. The pleasures of this world. He meant that salvation is designed that those who choose it and follow him to enter heaven would have to limit their choices on this earth. They would have to limit their choices on this earth. You would have to operate with a life of limited choices. You have no leisure. You don't have the luxury, the prophylaxis, whatever you want to put it, of choosing many things. He meant that the salvation that he designed and delivered on this earth for those that choose to follow him and enter heaven, they would have to limit their choices on this earth. If people say in the U.S. or in Europe or in Australia, Canada, wherever, and they say, this Friday we are meeting, we are gathering as, uh, you know, members of this office, of this company, you would have to say, no, I am not having that Friday meeting because I know many a time it leads to immorality. Many a time it leads to drinking some wine and some vodka. I am not coming. Limited choices. Even your dressing must be limited. You cannot wear like the world. You have to cover yourself well. If you are a man or a woman, it doesn't matter. Because you get to the realization of the treasure deposited in you for eternity. Heaven depends on you. Going to the cross and dying and suffering, the horrendous abuse and blasphemy was for you. That was the price for you. You are aware of the purchase price of your salvation. So you don't have the luxury of doing life in excess like the rest. You are aware that your body is the holy temple of the Holy Spirit. You cannot submit it, submit it to another. You have to submit it only to the Lord, and he has already pointed us to the way that leads to heaven. I have never found anybody anywhere that says, I became a Christian because I want to go to hell. And if that be the case, or the submission of the churches globally before the Lord, that they all want to go to heaven, then there is no choice. They have to pursue the narrow path salvation. They have to be the narrow walkers. They have to walk the narrow road. When the Lord Jesus deposited by saying, when he spoke to us, when he spoke to the church, and he said to her, that enter the narrow gate, walk through the small gate, for broad is the road that leads to death, hell. And narrow is the way, the road, the path that leads to eternal life. This is what he meant 
when he commanded the narrow walk. He meant to bring some education to the church. That for those that will choose to follow him, he would require of them to crucify their flesh. To crucify their flesh, beloved people. That it would be required of them that they would have to crucify their flesh. In the book of Galatians chapter 2, verses 19 to 20, that he would require, he meant the crucifixion of the flesh that is very responsive as we know. The flesh is the one that is so responsive to the demands of this world. Galatians chapter 2, verses 19 to 20, beloved people. This is what he says. Again, Galatians chapter 2, 19 to 20. He says, For through the law I died to the law, so that I might live for God. I have been crucified with Christ, and I do no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in Christ Jesus, the Son of the living God, who loved me so much and gave himself for me. How powerful, beloved people. Same Galatians chapter 5, same Galatians now chapter 5, verse 24. This is what the Lord meant when he commanded the church to pursue the narrow road and enter eternity. He meant that whosoever receives him, whosoever aspires, whosoever wants to enter the eternal glorious kingdom of heaven, they would have to crucify their flesh. That's what he meant by walking the narrow road. Galatians chapter 5, verse 24. This is what he says now, beloved people. He says, Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passion, in other words, crucifying the flesh with the affections, the sinful affections of the flesh and the desires. He says, Again, those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires, in other words, the sinful affections of the flesh. I read Father Road 25. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and having each other. He goes on. But the most important thing there. He now brings to the center the spiritual life. He says, on the cross when Jesus was crucified, he essentially demonstrated and illustrated to the church how to enter heaven. That whosoever would accept the salvation he delivered would have to crucify their flesh. Because when Jesus crucified the flesh, when he got crucified on the cross, then Pentecost came. Then the spiritual church was birthed out. So that was the lesson, the lasting classroom, the lasting tutorial, the lasting lesson to the church, that whosoever would choose the salvation of the Christ, they would have to crucify their flesh on this narrow way, and in so doing, birth out a spiritual church that can enter the spiritual kingdom of the glory of God, of heaven, of our God. That means there would be limited, that church would be limited in our choices, would be constrained in our choices, and therefore no excesses of the dark world. Immorality would be a big no. Attending the movies of this world, a big no. Drinking alcohol, a big no on this road. Lies, a big no. Falsehood, a big no. 
never ever. All those sensual things you see the world flashing out to the church, there would be a big, big, big no. Romans chapter 6, verses 1 to 14. Same thing, beloved people. Beautiful scripture. Wonderful scripture. The scripture that talks about the things of God. The teaching about our God and the things of God. What a beautiful teaching at a time when the church is caught up in pursuing money, pursuing the ways of the world, the things of the world, and doing their own things, immorality. Eh? The pastors admit it. They allow the women to dress the way they do because they love it. They like it. They respond to it too. They have been lied to. Be not lied to. Bad company corrupts good salvation, good character. Romans chapter 6, verses 1 to 14, we may not read it all, but he says, What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that the grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live to it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us, who have been baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death, meaning crucified, we were therefore buried with him through baptism into his death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life of eternity. In other words, a life of imperishability where everything perishable has been purged off your system, your salvation, a life of immortality and incorruptibility. For if we have been united with him in a death like this, in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection like he was. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body may, the body again, so that the body ruled, so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with. That we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we also will live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death has no longer, no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God, and I would say forever. And on and on and on, beloved people. So when the Lord said and commanded the church to walk the narrow path, the salvation of the narrow way, he essentially commanded the church to the fact that whosoever chooses to take up to behold the salvation of the cross that he brings, the salvation of the blood, they would have to crucify their flesh and follow him. And it is the painful aspects of the crucifixion of the flesh that makes the present-day church hate and not like walking the narrow way. And that's why they remain largely with flesh uncrucified, and still think they are going to heaven, beloved people. I will take another short break, beloved people, and come back and hopefully try to push all the way through to the end. Such a beautiful message, beloved people. What an honor and privilege for me to come to you with this topic, the refining of your Christian salvation. That from this day on, Nobody may ever walk 
wallowing in the ignorance of the world, but all of you may be in the know, may walk with wisdom and understanding the requirements of the salvation you behold, right from the design all the way through the deliverance, how he delivered it to the church, how he preached and the disciples began to throw in the towel. They said, nobody can buy this. All pointed at one thing, how you would walk the narrow road so that he may be able to deliver the glorious holy church into the glorious kingdom of God, however few. May the Lord bless you, Shalom.